Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Eddie Olchuk set to join us. They say never get into a gunfight with a writer because they always get the last word in. Did I make a mistake with the Sportsnet headliner? <laughs> I don't think there's like a guy who writes the headlines as a job. I think you're okay. I don't. I don't really know how that works. Sammy, yeah. Did I make a mistake calling out the headliner? <laughs> oh, Sammy's throwing his headphones back on. I lost you there. Sorry, I got a little malfunction. Eddie needs ninety seconds. So no problem. I just wanted to read a funny text that we well, got. Well, this okay? probably is uh, something. Next to do headline with me. by that same person. Questionable Nick Kiprios advocates for coworkers to be fired during a pandemic. <laughs> That's a joke, right? That's of not real. Yeah, he's laughing. Ooh. Yeah, you're all right. Okay. Okay, you survived. I did survive. It'll end up being my job somehow. Well, Eddie Olchuk called uh, the big hit if- with the Chicago Blackhawks with Kara. Oh, yeah. And Truba. So... No, Eddie didn't exactly play that way, but uh, I'm interested to hear his thoughts on uh, on is this just a kind of like a streaky big hit week? Maybe it's coming back. You know what? It's like there's so few people who do it now. Uh, it can kind of they are so hard though. The timing has to be impeccable. To do well, yeah. With a with a north south hit. Joining us now, Eddie Olchuk, a guy that, uh, I don't know, Eddie, were you, were, were you more of a giver or receiver on those type of hits in your career? <laughs> uh, well, Kipper, nice to be with you, Dustin. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, you guys. Thanks, nice pal. To, uh, nice, to, uh, nice to be with you. Um, well, I certainly wasn't giving out a lot of those, so <laughs> I would probably say, unfortunately, uh, I was probably on the receiving end. The worst hit I ever got, Kipper, was my rookie season in the NHL. I was playing with the Blackhawks. I entered the offensive zone on the right wing boards. I was a left-handed shot. Uh, the great Troy Murray um, was my center iceman, and uh, he was trailing the play. And as I entered the zone, I saw defenseman Dave Langevin about 15 feet in front of me. He was giving me the blue line, and as I entered the blue line, uh, I knew Troy was coming, so I wanted to enter the zone and then just drop in the puck, you know, and then kind of interfere a little bit. I took a look up at Langevin. He was far away enough, I thought, and <laughs> I looked back to see where Troy was, and the next thing you know, Dave Langevin was wishing me a happy birthday about seven months early, and <laughs> all I remember was getting hit in the chest and then our longtime trainer, uh, Skip Thayer, was on the bench or on the ice, and he said, hey, kid, you okay? And all I know is I came to, and I just said, what are all these people doing at our practice? And <laughs> that was about oh, that's, We shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh, about, but it's funny. That was about, yeah, you can laugh now, but, I mean, it, 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 the extent of it, and all I remember Skip be saying, and thank God, like, thank God, Skip said that he said, get him the hell out of here. And they took, actually took me down and I didn't, I didn't even go to the bench. Like they just, he took me down the flight of stairs at the old Chicago stadium. And, uh, I learned very quickly, uh, you better not watch your pass. Um, now again, the rules are much different. I think players are for the most part, uh, a little bit more respectful when it comes to the, you know, the real physical play and, 
those hits, but I mean, that one there, Kipper, I was just like, holy geez, welcome to the National Hockey League. And uh, I, I tried not to put myself in that position. But uh, yeah, I was probably, unfortunately, I was more of a receiver than a giver on uh, on some of those massive hits. And yeah, we've seen some massive hits here recently. Geez, I saw the one last night on McDonald um, by the kid in Florida there, Lamico, I think, hit him. And then Truba had back to back hits. I heard you talking a little bit earlier. I mean, he had the back to back hits on. Jack Chera, the Blackhawks, and of course Nathan McKinnon the next night against the Avalanche. So uh, they still happen, not very often, but when they do, they become big time stories. Back in the day, that was just, uh, you know, that was just an ordinary night at the office. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, you know, I also was a hockey player who was on the receiving end of more than I gave out. Um, but, you know, I yeah. tended to get back up and that, you know, carried on with the, the game because it might happen again later. Yeah. It, was, it happened with a little more frequency. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the way it's kind of unfolding now where it's almost like guys don't expect to get hit because I don't want to call the game less physical, yeah. but less direct contact yeah. maybe. So what are your yeah. thoughts on how it's all taking place right now? Yeah, I, I Justin, I, I, do, I do believe it is less physical. There, there is no doubt about okay. it. I, I, there is no doubt the game is, in my opinion, again, from all aspects, playing, coaching, and now broadcasting, you know, broadcasting forever now. I, yeah, it is, it is less physical, but um, I think – the impact and the speed in which guys build up to be able to um, have these hits happen at a much higher rate of speed, just because of the lack of interference or hook and hold or however you want to, uh, you know, to uh, describe it. I think that, you know, some of these impacts are, are much more uh, violent. They are much more impactful and that's just, you know, that's just the, you know, the reality of it. But I, you know, you try to teach young hockey players, Justin, when I work hockey camps now or even talking to, you know, to young players in the league that, you know, you get a chance to develop a relationship with or ask about certain situations is that, like, you know, you, you always have to assume um, and know where everybody is on the ice, regardless of how far they may be and, and whether you have the puck or not. I mean, there's only one puck out there, and I think, unfortunately, you know, that that's not being taught at a lot of the younger levels. And again, I mean, we could argue all day about, you know, when, when young hockey players, you know, boys and girls should, you know, be in a contact sport, right? Like there are a lot of things there and, and I understand that, but I think players have to understand at all levels and in, in both boys and girls is where the danger areas are on the ice. You know, how do you protect yourself? You know, how do you not put yourself into those bad spots and look at it happens. It happens, and I think it happened on the Jujar Kara play with Jacob Truba, is that sometimes a hockey play goes bad, right? Like, we don't like to see a guy get knocked out and then hit his head on the ice mm-hmm. and then the stretcher comes out, and like, that's the most important thing. Penalty, suspension, that's irrelevant. The most important part of that is is how is that player. So for me, um, it is the player's understanding and not – uh, taking it for granted that a guy isn't going to run you from behind or when you pull up and you turn. And that's one of the toughest for referees is when a guy is either coming out of the zone or he's going up the ice to get the red line to get the puck in deep. There's a lot of guys just think, well, if I turn my back on a guy, he's not going to drill me. Well, a lot of times a guy is committed to the hit Kipper and Justin and it looks way worse than it is. So I think that there's still that teaching part of it and, 
Uh, it, I know it makes for great debate, but uh, players still need to be responsible for you know where they are and how they put themselves in certain situations. But even more so, the guy that's giving or the girl that's giving the contact, um, they have to understand and respect when they know a person is in a real tough position is that you got to just bypass that hit and, uh, and live to fight another day mentality. Eddie, we were just talking earlier that uh, the tendency now is just to... to oh, Kipper, Kipper, hold on. Kipper, yeah, buddy. Kipper, so you don't, you don't, I mean, nothing, I no, no applause there. No, you didn't like what I said. You, uh, did, you agree, you it. disagreed? Or, no. Uh, you know, okay, just making sure. Yeah. I, know, I know you're a harsh critic, so I just want we're to make good. sure that it, it's okay. Yeah. We're good, okay. you know. No, actually, I, I kind of feel for you because, you know, as me, you know, throughout my career, I got a chance to sit at the desk and rewind and play and rewind and play, you're in the booth yeah. and you've got to make that yeah. kind of call right away. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. it is, it's hard. I mean, the easy yeah, thing is, yeah. is to say it's questionable. I get to rewind it two or three times and then form my decision yeah. before I come into the intermission show. You, on the yeah. other hand, maybe only get one look at it and, you know, have yeah. to sit there and say whether it was clean or not or if you expect this yeah, guy to I get mean, a penalty or not. That's okay. I mean, look, Kipper, that's okay. And look, sometimes I think people, I think, I think hockey fans and I think people that, you know, watch sports in general and hear an analyst is like, look, like sometimes you just, you just gotta say, look, like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I could see it, you know, I mean, I could see it both ways, but at the end of the day, like what I try to look for when you have those hits and you may mention, yeah, I was in the building calling that game with the hit by Truba and Jujar Kara. I mean, it was just like, to me, I looked at it as, is. You know, it, that type of play doesn't happen very often, an open ice hit. Um, you know, the, the, you know he, I thought Truba was committed already to the hit when Kara buried his head and started looking at the ice. And then, you know, and then obviously the, the real heavy impact there, you know. So, you know, you try to look at it. You know, was it avoidable? Um, you know, what was the principal point of contact? All, all of that stuff. But really, like in that situation, Kipper, and I think this is – I think this is good for young aspiring broadcasters in all sports. Like really at the end of the day, like the, like the most important thing as I alluded to a little bit earlier is, is the well-being and health of, of the player that is down and hurt and, you know, and, and all those type of things. But, you know, you just try to be, you try to be honest. You try to, you know, give the facts on what you're seeing and, and just to paint a picture and Kipper, you've been up and Justin, you've been up in the TV booths and, and seeing like, you know, we're, you know, the, the equipment that we're working with on in most situations in most arenas, like we are not watching the games and our replays are not coming across on a high definition jumbotron television or a 48 inch in our booth. We're looking at, you know, maybe double the size of your iPhone or whatever the hell type of contraption you may have or an iPad. And, and the quality isn't clear as, it is of you watching it when we send it out and everybody's watching on television. So all of those things, you know, we're, we're trying to stick handle our way through to make, have an opinion first and foremost, because that's our job, but then also kind of give people the tea leaves on what you're seeing and looking at, you know, did the player leave his feet? You know, did he hit him with an elbow? Was it a forearm shiver? Was it, you know, all of those things. So it's, uh, it happens very quickly and look at, <laughs> and for as much, uh, like I think our referees, like I do, and I'm a big sports fan. Kipper, you know this. We've known each other for a thousand years. Like I, like, I love sports. Like, I think our game is the most difficult to officiate and referee, 100%, without a doubt. And I think our referees do a hell of a job. Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. It happens. It's human nature. They have to make that call now. 
okay, where we get a chance to see it over and over and over and then go ahead and critique them and, you know, take them out to the woodshed and whatever. Okay, the mistakes are going to happen. But for the analyst or whoever's getting a chance to really look at it, you put everything into the blender and then you're able to make that decision where the referees have to make that decision. Now, what's happened is, and it's great by the league and great for the commissioner, Mr. Bettman and Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner and the, you know, everybody involved from Stephen Walkham to the, you know, the players and in the, in the board of governors and, and whatever you have, the, you know, the competition committee is that the officials have at their disposal the ability to be able to go and look at it. Mm-hmm. And when they go and look at it, it's about getting it correct and right. And yeah, it may take a little bit longer. And I know everybody wants to hurry up, drop the puck and get the hell out of there, but we want the calls to be right. And I think the league is certainly trending in that direction from what they've done here over the last handful of years. And uh, hopefully that we can get all of the, uh, you know, get all of the calls right. They're not always going to be right. But again, as people watching and fans and analysts is that we always get the second guess and, and that's what makes the music go round when it comes to uh, talking about certain plays in the greatest game in the world. You you called on the weekend the Toronto Chicago game for the Chicago feed, correct? Yeah. So you yeah. you Jake yes, Muzzin, another situation with Jake Muzzin. He takes out Reese uh, Johnson in the in the neutral yeah. zone, open right. nice yeah. hit. Right. But that one, yeah. I, you needed a couple of angles to really understand that that was not a suspendable act. That one was a yeah. That one was also a a, a good hit by Jake Muzzin. Yeah, I mean, it was a solid hit. It was in the middle of the ice. And, you know, unfortunately for Reese Johnson, right, he was just in one of those spots where he just wasn't able to react quick enough. And, again, I like it, it was a hard hit. I mean, you know, and he got hurt, you know, and he's hurt. You know, he's out for a while now. But that that's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. But I, I not, at, not at any time, Kipper, not at any time I ever thought that that was a hit that, you know, that was going to be um, – you know, after seeing the replay, again, when you see it live, you're like, geez, I wonder, you know, what did he get hit in the head? You know, all those type of things. You know, is there a whiplash effect? All of those things. But when I saw it live, I didn't think it was anything other than just a really, it was a hockey play that went bad, unfortunately, for Reese Johnson. And then seeing the replay again, I, I just, I, I didn't see anything else that would, would have changed my mind um, on, on that particular hit by Jake Muslin. Eddie, what, what should I make of the Chicago Blackhawks this year? That, you know, watching them play the other night, I, you know, got me poking around through some stats. Like, in terms of goal differential, there's only three teams in the league that uh-huh. are worse so far this season. There's tons uh-huh. of great mm-hmm. talent on that roster. What do you make of the, their season, how it's gone? Well, it looked just, they got off to a really tough start, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, they just, they they weren't defending and they weren't scoring and that's not a good combination. Right. And they really did, weren't getting much direction. They made the coaching change. Eric King's come in there and I mean, he's done a really good job and, 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 and they've, you know, they've kind of found a little bit of stability and how they're playing without the puck. They still give up chances, but I think they're not chasing as much. They're not running around as much as they were prior. So I think that that has certainly helped. I don't think they're giving up as many, quality chances over the course of games as they were prior. The goaltending is better, and I think it goes hand-in-hand. Less quality chances, the goaltending is going to be better. Marc-Andre Fleury has been lights out here for the last, you know, whatever it's been, 14, 15 games. So I think that's certainly a positive. But they've had a really difficult time of finding the back of the net. And I know they got, you know, four the other night, and I thought they were the better team, you know, pretty much the majority of the game five on five against the Leafs and the Leafs were the team that looked like they were really, 
having a difficult time defending and running around. And yeah, they had some stretches where they, you know, they dominated and did create and Lincoln made a couple of saves, but they got a couple of power play goals. They got the gift obviously very, very late. Um, but I think for, for the Hawks, it's been, you know, the, if, if it hasn't been Patrick Kane or Alex DeBrinkett or Seth Jones really kind of being the facilitators or the finishers, they've had a really tough time of generating and, 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 and creating offense. And, you know, look at, they haven't gotten much contribution from the center ice position, whether it's been Jonathan Taves or Kirby doc. I mean, Dylan Strom's been in and out of the lineup. So as you guys know, if, if your center icemen aren't really creating or generating or facilitating the offensive part of the game, and even though people may argue that you know, Patrick Kane is a, you know, is, I mean, I still think he's one of the top three passers right. in the league, uh, you know, it, but you know, you know, like you need, you need your center iceman to really, you know, to really drive the bus offensively, whether they're getting points or not, but they really need to be in the middle of it in generating. I mean, Kipper, you, I mean, you remember, I mean, our center ice position with the Rangers those years, I mean, right? Like, I mean, it's just the depth that we had at the center ice position that just, it really drove everything else. And when you're building a team, you got to build through the middle of the ice and it's got to go from the goalies to the D to the center ice and out. That's my opinion. And, but I think for the Hawks, they just had a really tough time. Guys have gotten off to really tough starts and now Taves has got goals and back to back. So hopefully that's a positive for the Blackhawks that he can kind of get his offensive game going here and, and help, uh, you know, take some of the pressure off of Kane and to it because if, if they haven't been in the middle of it, it's been really, really tough. And then that puts pressure on the rest of your team and especially your goaltenders when you're, you know, when you can't get to three goals in a game. Craig McTavish, right? Guys like that. Uh, Eddie, a couple of weeks ago, there were actually Canadian fans probably fantasizing a little bit about maybe a Leaf Oiler final. Uh, I'm not sure in the last week and a half. Uh, they're mm-hmm. as excited or still fantasizing. But what have you seen in the last week and a half out of these teams? Because clearly, even if you have the best power play in the league or, or run one, two, it's, it's not enough. Yeah. Well, you probably should mention, mention Messier and Amchinov too. And, and that with Greg <laughs> yeah. McTavish, just to get it, you know, you dropped the, you dropped the Mac T on everybody. Um, I don't know if if the question that I have, and it's probably not anything that's earth-shattering, but when push comes to shove, can both of those teams defend enough come late April and early May? Um, I've seen the Oilers three times in person now. I'm actually going to see the Oilers next week in L.A. for Turner. I'm going out there for the Wednesday night before Christmas, so I'm looking forward to seeing the Oil uh, again in person. And, you know, I've seen the Leafs. Um, obviously on TV a bunch of times, and then was that uh, was in TO as you mentioned Kipper a little bit earlier. So I, that that to me is is the question, and I think I'm probably adding the goaltending mix into both for both teams. But that would be you know that would be the question mark. Now you could say the best defense in the world is when you got the rock on your stick and you don't have to worry about defending. But playoff hockey, as both of you know, are a much different animal than it is in the regular season. So I, I would just say that, I think, yeah, that would be a long shot, um, in my opinion, that, you know, can, can these teams get the goaltending and can they defend enough come playoff time? But uh, both teams certainly look like they're just, you know, they're right on the cost. Now, in, in Edmonton's 
defense, Kipper, and I know the Leafs have a couple of injuries, but, you know, their back end here has been absolutely just decimated. I mean, I was in there a couple of, like maybe a couple of weeks ago. They beat Pittsburgh, but, you know, they had no Keith, no Nurse. Um, I can't even remember who else they were. They didn't, they didn't have Cuckoo in the lineup as well. CC, I so, I mean, they were missing, like, I'm sorry? I think it was CC as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. He was on COVID protocol. So thanks, Justin. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they they were. Re- I mean, they were missing their second pair, and they're missing arguably, you know, their 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 top D man and in, in, in nurse. So I, I think, in fairness, and I think they've been better without the puck. But you know, I think for me, and I think most people is, you know, can they do it at the most crucial time? And yeah, you can have a great season, and yeah, you can get you know ninety eight or one hundred and four points, but. If you go out in the first round or you can't, you know, you don't get contribution from your big guys and you don't win, well, you know, then it's going to be back to the drawing board aspect. So long shot, I would probably concur even even more so, Kipper, um, you know, prior to both these teams kind of being a little bit up and down here recently. And look at it, it's going to happen. I mean, when you go on a heater like the, the Leafs did, I mean, they were unbelievable for, what, 20 games. I saw them play in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, and, I mean, they were – I mean, they were flat out awesome. I mean, they they just they had the puck the whole night and and they're doing it all. And Jack Campbell was you know playing as well as he's ever had in his you know maybe in his life. But you know, yeah, they've kind of come back to the pack here recently. But those things are going to happen and they'll work themselves out. But um, it'll be fun to to watch both of those teams moving forward. Eddie Olchuk, just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. <laughs> See, he's the only one laughing. Yeah, I got, got nothing. For, uh, that's it, huh? That's all you got? All right. What do you guys say? Merry, Merry Christmas. Hold on. Well, you, can't, you can't leave my our audience hanging like that. Can you share the give me a chance story real quick? All right. How, how long do I have? Because I don't want to, I don't want anybody to get in trouble and lose a paycheck. You're, you're good. You're good for a minute. Okay. All right. So, so, so Justin, so I'll paint the picture yeah, for yeah. you. Like we're in New York in 94, right? We're, you know, Mike Keenan's our coach and, you know, we're, you know, we, we got ourselves going. We're the best team, you know, we're the best team going and whatever. It's probably maybe like, you know, 15 games in, 20 games in, and we just started finding our stride. So we're in practice and Keenan had this thing, like, you know, like every drill started with Messier's line, right. With Graves and Kovalev. And they were the only ones to be able to start the drills <laughs> and whatever. And so we do a five on O, Justin, right. So you, 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 you break out, you go all the way down, you shoot, you come back, you regroup, you enter, you shoot, then you get a puck in the corner, you go low to high, B to D shot, yeah. and then you go off, and then the next five guys come on the ice. So it's only five guys on the ice with Keenan and Dick Todd and Coley Campbell and, you know, whatever else. So so we do the drill a couple of times, and you get to the top line, and they come out. And Mike Hartman, who is one of the one of our uh, one of our role guys like myself and Kipper, and, we you know, we will always be on the fifth or sixth line. And then so Adam Gray's blows a lace. And he can't go for his next his next time on the five on oh. Yeah. So Hardy, you know, Hardy kind of jumps up and you know says, "I'll jump in there with Ness and 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 and, and Cozy." <laughs> so, so again, this is a this is a six line guy jumping on there with the top line, right? And they dump the puck. The whistle goes. He dumps the puck in. Keenan does. All of a sudden, it, it goes from like I think it goes from like. Sergey Zubov to Lichy up to uh, to Kovalev to Messi and then Mess passes to Mike Hartman <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden the whistle the whistle blows and all you hear is Keenan going 
what the hell is going on here? Get off the ice! Get off the ice! He's asking, where's Graves? Where's Graves? And it's like, you know, mess skates over and says, ah, Gravy has a, like a lace problem or whatever. And Keenan's like, we're waiting for him. So Hardy skates off the ice and then Gravy jumps onto the ice because his lace is fixed. And Justin, all you look at is Hardy. Like everybody else is sitting and we're dying laughing. Like we're absolutely just being in our pants. Like, and, and Hardy's yelling at Keenan. Like, again, Hardy hadn't played like me and you know, Kipper for the most part, but not, not all the way. Like, we hadn't played, like, in seven years, so we just wanted a chance to play, right? So all you see is Hardy stand up on the bench. He takes his stick and starts banging, banging his stick. No, wailing. <laughs> wailing. Give me a chance. Give me a, a chance. Give me a chance. So for so the, the rest of the year, oh, my gosh, all we did was just bang the boards and give me a chance. Rest and, of the oh, year. Yeah, was, 30 years later, oh, yeah, everywhere I see years, Eddie Olchuk, give me a chance. Give me a chance. And one yeah. of the nicest guys. Hey, Justin, I, I sat, Justin, I sat out for like 100 straight games that year. Now, that was after me coming to the Rangers and scoring 30-plus goals for five straight seasons in the NHL. And I got oh. to New York and pretty much, like, just fact, my career ended when I got to New York. Okay, but, <laughs> but I was a part of a team that had a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I hadn't played and I hadn't played in forever. Keenan comes to me, Game Six, Conference Finals. New Jersey Devils are up three games to two against us, and we're in New Jersey at the Meadowlands. And Keenan comes up to me in the morning of the skate, and I'm over at the stick rack, and he looks at me, he goes, Eddie, what, what, what's the what's the best year you ever had scoring goals in the NHL? I go. Excuse me, he goes, what was the best year you had scoring goals in the NHL? I'm like, I scored 42 goals with the Maple Leafs in the 87-88 season. I scored 30-plus goals for five straight seasons. He goes, you scored 42 goals? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Hey, Keenan, pick up a hockey card. And And he goes, Justin, he goes, you're playing tonight. Are you kidding me? Found out morning of and three in. I I said, okay, I've been through this before with you where you told me I was going to play and then you scratched me after practicing with Messier and Graves and warm-ups and then you pulled the plug because you sent Dick Todd in there to tell me I wasn't playing that night. So he goes, you're playing tonight. He goes, I trust you. The guys love you. You're going to play in this game tonight. Now, I will say – it was the first game I had played in like three and a half months. I did play that night. Yeah. And of course, game six against the Devils in 94, everybody remembers. That was the messy hat trick game uh-huh. in, the, in the guarantee. But I said to him after, he goes, you're playing. I go, is this all it took? I would have got you a media guide and showed you that I scored some <laughs> goals in this league. Maybe I might have played a little bit more, but that's what we live. So, hey, Kipper, oh what, at the gosh. end of the day, give me a chance. Give us a chance. He gave you a chance at long last. <laughs> Eddie, we appreciate your time, man. We need two hours to tell those stories. Anytime. All, All right, right. Bye, guys. Eddie Come old here. Chuck. Thanks, Eddie. And, you know, we were in that black ace group, right? Yeah. So finding out that Eddie's playing that game is like... One of your family members is in. It's like we're all playing that game. Yeah. We're just thrilled. And then I played in the first round, Yeah, and I don't play for two more rounds. Played in the final, right? I'm in game seven of the Stanley Cup final, <laughs> arguably the biggest game in modern-day NHL history, yeah. and I'm playing. And I, I'm like, how, how does that work? It's almost like Keenan had like too many good players to choose from, and like I don't know. 
He just didn't didn't know didn't know Eddie. God, that's a great story. Bonded for life, baby. Bonded for life. He's he's a lot of fun. That Eddie Olchuk. I love that he wanted to wait for Graves though. Like, no, we'll hold up practice for seven minutes while he gets a new lace. You can't even take a rep. You no. can't take one no, single no, rep out no, here. No, no, <laughs> no. There's a there's a ton of them. So, uh, do we expect Hyman to play Tuesday He's night? Announced will not be playing Tuesday. Okay. Oh, so earlier today, earlier today, there was like game time to zi- uh, decision. No, not playing. He took a hard hit. Yeah, he got rolled. Like, he kind of got rolled on the boards, hit, and then rolled over, and his arm kind of twisted a funny, but he did something bad to his no shoulder. One, no one ever questioned, like, what this guy meant for the Leafs no. or when he's playing for the Oilers, what he has done early in, in to start this season. But there was always that wear and tear on a Zach Hyman and how hard he plays the game and what – what the body can absorb, but he took a really good shot along the wall, and and to me it just it, it looked like you know collarbone, separated shoulder, something of that magnitude. Yeah, that's that's scary stuff, but it is. It's a legitimate concern for a guy who you know made himself into something more than everyone believed he could be. But but the way he plays, you know, he's twenty nine years old, missed some games to injury, and hopefully it's nothing serious. So. Just uh, some quotes trickling in from Lee's practice and one that was very relevant to our conversation. Uh, I guess Tavares was asked about the Olympic stuff. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, this is from David Alter on Twitter who does a great job covering the Leafs. And uh, he said, John Tavares says, more, uh, as more information has come out uh, about the Olympics and quarantine, that there is more to think about before deciding to go. This is from, end quote, it's extremely challenging trying to wrap your mind around that. Mm-hmm. So, you know... As far as what John Tavares says, the guy who literally says nothing, I mean, that's that says a lot in terms of him not saying, you know what, I no matter what, I'll go. Like, I want to go. Like, that's a different tone than he had at the opening press conference when he said, I want to go bad. Remember? Like, he was he brought it up unprompted. So, starting yeah. to trickle in here. I just, uh, these guys are sharp. They're intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they've got some business savvy. Would you go? Uh, absolutely not. What? Yeah, absolutely not. I would not go. If you had one chance playing Team Canada? I just, I don't want to be there by myself. Great food. No, no, I don't want to be there <laughs> by myself. You can skip the dishes. Colby will give you a discount. <laughs> <laughs> All kidding aside. Yeah. Don't want to be there by myself, waiting it out, and uh, and who's testing. And I'm going. Think about all the political pressure, right, that's out there. And could I find myself getting caught up in that all of a sudden? Yeah. Come uh, on. You, you know, got, that's you, another uh, element to uh, the whole uh, it's how, China thing. That's a pretty big element. It is a big element, but don't tell me it's not there. No, no, I, I can't. You know, and I think that's what Tavares is saying when he says it's a lot to wrap your head around. Like, I don't even understand the depth of the injustices, you know, from no. the Chinese government. I, You know, frankly, I, I'm very busy and I don't know what we're talking about half the time. I know. You know, and like, you know, on top of that with the political element of it, the concern about getting caught there alone and losing paychecks and upsetting your NHL routine, there's a lot. The logistics but it's Team of Canada in the Olympics, and it's one of those things that when you die, when they're at your funeral and someone's giving you a eulogy, that's one of the things they would say you did in your life was go play for Team Canada at the Olympics. For that, sure. That is a one yeah. of the moments of your life. But nothing should be at 
all costs. That's all. No, I know. No, that's that, and that's what we're all making decisions on every day. I'm going to New York for Christmas this year, or had booked it, mm-hmm. and now it's like you know, a couple of kids traveling at Christmas. The way things are growing is it a yeah. good decision. And Adam Schefter just tweeted out that the NFL had 37 positive COVID tests today. The league source tells ESPN. So it's going up everywhere, fellas. So oh, the numbers the are climbing. Um, you just hope that it is going to act the way hopefully it should with vaccines and that is uh flu-like symptoms but no hospitalization nobody in threat no uh uh no one on um respiratory uh yeah respirator respirators ventilators ventilators, respirators you know that to me is is the biggest tell right now is that we sure, don't... Sure, none of us mind if a million people have the colder flu symptoms. That's fine. Go ahead just, and have that, but it's the more serious stuff that's concerned. Right? So, I, I don't know. This is way over my pay scale. Well, oh, that's yeah. the thing. Is it, I feel like kind of what, we're where everyone is right now. It's like, I don't know. You know, I'm reading everything I can. You absorb what you can. I, you know, do the best with the information you ha- can. Listen to the experts and... Okay, one more before we, uh, we sign off. You want to do Boudreaux four Bruce and Bruce Boudreaux yeah, four and O. Bruce, there it is. Oh, man. And he is having a blast right now. How could you not? Isn't he? Yeah. Oh, Brock Besser just shoots it in the net for him every night. No big deal. You go in there, no expectations. There, everyone hates the front office, hates the coaching staff. They're losing every night. You go in there, you go four and O. They're, yeah. they're, they're chanting your name. How can you not yeah. be fired up? That's yeah. right. I also love that he said, all you want to do from here on out, I just hope we can be a winning team from here on out. So you divorce yourself from the previous record, get out there to a hot start, expectations low, as you said, and the, give everyone the, a The one start. thing that Bruce Boudreaux has to, like, you know, watch out for is that you you don't end up being the biggest star on the team. That's what you don't want. He doesn't have a choice now. He's it. He's it, baby. <laughs> his name. Oh, no, 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 no. Bruce. He is the biggest star. Yeah. I mean, yes, they beat some pretty but, good teams too. Like they beat Carolina, they beat the Jets, they beat the Bruins. Like those are some Carolina was decent teams. Down Alamo and a couple people. Second half of back to back. Yeah, but, so, you know, fav- favorable schedule since he yeah. took over, but that's a good time to make the change. I wonder. Rutherford uh, took some hard questions today. I could already see him being the guy. The Van Media is like, we're gonna love Bruce, but we're gonna we're gonna lean on old Jimmy here. What uh, I didn't catch any of it. Uh, fill, fill me in. You know, they were leaning on about some previous deals where he said that he didn't regret uh, the long contract to Jack Johnson. He didn't regret trading for Eric Goodbranson. Uh, you know, both deals did not work out. You know, they're they're kind of on him about previous deals, I, which I can't believe he even answered questions about. I, just I, be like, uh, I question uh, Kapanen. The Kapanen deal? To Pittsburgh for a first rounder, if I'm not mistaken, a prospect too. Yeah, yeah Philip Hallander, who which they, they turned like, into. Nothing. But they, you, they used it to protect Hall. But here you have, <laughs> here you have, Kyle by the short ones. Mm-hmm. He had to get rid of no choice, no choice. Mm-hmm. Like they a take Amarov with that pick, fifteenth overall, wasn't it? Yes, Andreas Johansson too. Yeah, yeah, they got Joey Anderson Joey for him, Anderson. which you're and Kapanen. You had to unload these contracts. Everybody saw it. What are you giving away a first rounder for? That's a lot. It's a lot. Big ticket for sure. Captain's a good player, but not worth a first round pick. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I agree with that. I would agree with that too. Oh, there we go, boys. <laughs> but pretty smart. <laughs> but so, anyway, and so they're holding Rutherford's feet to the fire for old deals right out of the gates. Uh, Rutherford was talking about, you know, making some you know, improvements in uh, culture diversity. Like they, you know, they asked him some real questions today. He came into the van media like, oh, okay, we're, uh, we're, we're doing this. So he said he had a GM list of like 40 candidates. 
I don't know how long it's going to take him to pick through 40 guys. That seems like an awfully long list to me, but any idea who it's going to be? No. Rim Jutherford. He just decides to be the oh, the GM as well in a mustache. <laughs> the Norrie going with that. <laughs> he will call the shots from here on in. Yeah. Like a little, little bit of what's going on in Montreal. Same thing. We had one game on schedule. Chicago. Calgary. Postponed. What are you guys doing tonight? Raps. I'm, I'm reading a book tonight. Leave me alone. Get to bed get early. Away from the screen. We're right back at this show tomorrow. Get to bed early. Okay. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Thanks for listening.